This episode of the Productivity Podcast is brought to you by Blinkist. In today's age, it can be really hard to find time to sit down and learn more. Even somebody like me who has a day set aside specifically for learning, Blinkist helps me do that. I'm going to share with you how it helps me and how it can help you during this episode of the podcast, as well as a special offer for Productivity Podcast listeners. So stick around. This episode of the Productivity Podcast is also brought to you by Text Expander. Text Expander is one of my favorite productivity tools. It's indispensable to me and my team. I'm using it more and more to kind of give my own personal touch to emails and things that we want to consistently send. And I'm even able to use it with this podcast, using it with sponsorships when I'm putting together my podcast stuff inside of the task management tool we use. I'm going to share that with you during this episode of the podcast, as well as a special offer exclusive to Productivity as Podcast listeners. But for now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Productivity as Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Vardy. And this week on the show, I am joined by Paula Mosier-Wallace. Paula is an amazing individual that I had the chance to meet back in the uh, month of, I guess it was November, I guess, uh, back in uh, the Tribe Conference that Jeff Goins held. And we had a great conversation because uh, we, we got to meet at the event and we had lunch together and we just chatted primarily about the the, the topic of this podcast episode, which is the, the emotional piece when it comes to time management. There's a lot for us to get into here. And, and what I loved is just the, the, there's an element there that Paula is really passionate about and uh, she brings something to the table that I've not seen with uh, with other people when it comes to time management. And it was it was something to to rather behold, just to kind of be immersed in a conversation with someone about time management, but bringing something else to the table that I wouldn't say hadn't dawned on me, but just the connection there was really, really something. So let's just get into it. Here's my conversation with Paula Mosier Wallace here on the Productivity Podcast. Enjoy. I'd like to welcome Paula Mosier-Wallace to the Productivity Podcast. Paula, thanks for joining me today. Hey, thanks for inviting me. This is fun. So we've spent the last, what, 20 minutes before? We normally do this. I normally do this with a lot of people, but not nearly as easily as I was able to do it with you, like the pre-talk before the podcast about like just personal stuff, because we had a chance to hang out when, when I was down in Nashville uh, you know, for the tribe conference in, you know, it would have been what late 2018, like mid, well, nearing the late part of 2018. And we had a great conversation over, uh, you know, as we were leaving the conference floor, uh, we chatted and, uh, it was Tim Grawl, who's also been on the show. Um, and, and I've been friends with Tim for a while who introduced, uh, us basically because all of a sudden you had these magic words that came out of your mouth when you were talking to Tim about, time management. And my, I mean, that whenever that happens, my eyes light up, my ears perk up. And Tim recognized that and said, you know, you know, you need to talk to Mike here. So, <laughs> so Paula, can you share with my audience a little bit uh, about what, why that would have happened and, and what you do so that, that, that way we can kind of tie things in and get into back into a deeper conversation? Absolutely. So my background is actually working, uh, running businesses. So productivity was a very important part of my history as an entrepreneur and as a manager in businesses in a variety of industries. And best practices in that are all hugely important. But I've also had a lot of trauma and damage in my life, abuse and various things. And so I had major emotional overload on an ongoing basis with complex trauma counseling and uh, just situations that were emotionally traumatizing and overloading. And so I started a nonprofit that is specifically to help people coming out of abuse and shame-based brokenness to help them know they're not alone, that there's hope and working through that. And the more I've talked to them, the more I realized there was a need for people to understand how to be productive and how to do their time management while they're dealing with overwhelming emotional uh, issues and whether it's severe loss or it's a change in relationships or it's a health diagnosis or it's a broken relationship, whatever it is, there's just this emotional overload that seems to cause them to be unproductive and not able to do their normal productivity models. So 
we're talking about how do you marry those two things and actually still stay productive. So when we were having our conversation uh, at lunch, uh, we were discussing time crafting, the methodology I had. And the one thing that you you uh, you addressed almost out of the gate, and there was a wry grin on your face as, as, as I was talking about it. And you know where I'm going with this, too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you said, uh, I said, so what do you think? And you're like, that, that sounds all well and good, but you have a wife. And I said, yeah. She goes, okay, well, that works consistently because you have a wife. And uh, without getting into the, the nuts and bolts of the conversation – uh, can you, can you say, uh, to, to share with my, with my audience here, why that, why that was like that, as you were listening to me kind of pontificate a little bit about my, my methods why you're like, okay, yeah, this is, this is not the first rodeo. This is not the first time I've heard this to a degree. Maybe, not, maybe the system's different, but the fact that I have a partner uh, that can help me with it, with allowing me to have this framework in place is, is such a, is such a big deal that we we often either take for granted or don't even notice right out of the gate. Right. So most of the time management models, including yours, um, have been crafted, crafted by men who do have a wife. And the reason I say that is as a single mother, I don't have a partner to help out with anything. And it is my responsibility to handle all of the craziness that's involved in that. And when you have a partner handling the messy side of things, then you're much more able to keep a linear, compartmentalized, structured schedule, and you don't have nearly as much to interfere that will come in and interfere with that. And so it's it's easier to stay consistent in working with um, any time management model, really, when you have that kind of support, because they're the buffer flexing with all the craziness. And when you don't have that, like I don't, I'm the one having to manage everything. And you realize that when there's no buffer at all, and you're having to manage all of this stuff consistently, um, from sickness, when your kids are sick to the, um, family drama going on to the, the interaction of emergencies and situations that all impact your, your work because there's nobody else handling it. So I laugh that, all the time management models work great as long as you have a wife because <laughs> she buffers and handles all the chaos so that you can stay on track and productive and, and working your system properly. So let's talk a little bit about the thing that you've, you've kind of fashioned and crafted yourself that allows that piece to kind of um, not be put in place, but there's, there's some, uh, I don't want to say mitigation, but, but so it'll, it, there's a, there's a piece that's been missing or there's a piece that, that, that you can layer on top of the frameworks that you already have in place, whether, and, and, and I think it, it, to be clear, and maybe you can speak to this a bit more too. I don't think it has to be like, Hey, it's the guy who has a wife that can do this. I think anybody can, can, can do this. I think that, uh, or, or the, or the women who don't have a husband can do that. I think that this is some, a piece because we talked about it can be added and layered upon whatever, uh, you know, station of life that you're in or whatever stage of life you're in. Um, can you talk about that piece? Because I think that this is, this is the part where my, my eyes didn't just light up, but I'm like, okay, there's, there's a lot here that, that we can unpack and, and make work because there we're making a more, um, let's say, uh, we're, we're adding even more of a human uh, component to, to the mix. Right. So I call it emotional time management. And it is where you're actually identifying the emotional um, bandwidth you have and the productivity you can do while flexing with a range of different emotions. And so you start looking at your situations, at your schedule, at how you um, actually structure it based on the emotional impact or component of different things so that you are being as productive as you possibly can be with whatever the chaos or emotions are that are overloading you. So if I took your system and I looked at structuring what my plans are, and I know that I'm going to have these situations with my children come up, and I know that I'm going to have these emotional things tied to what I do and the fact that it's um, very emotionally impacting, that I start scheduling and blocking and combining things 
based on their emotional impact, not just based on the theme or the difficulty from a strategic standpoint. I'm looking at it from the emotional side as well. And that changes what I put where, how I do it, how I have blocks that are flexible to move very easily, how I group things by the emotional needs or the difficulty that goes with that. And it just it just takes any system and gives you a different series of uh, lenses to kind of look at it through so that you uh, are much more able to adapt and roll with the punches and be absolutely as productive as possible. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. Okay, we're going to take a break from the podcast to talk about a sponsor of this episode, Blinkist. I am a huge fan of Blinkist. Why? Because Blinkist is the only app that takes the best key takeaways that need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes so you can read or listen to any of these these fabulous titles. I, I'm going to tell you that I am working on my book right now as, as I'm recording this, and I don't have a lot of time to actually read uh, full books. Uh, not not only because uh, you know I'm working on the actual writing and running a business and I've got a family and all that stuff, a very busy life like I'm sure you do as well, but I don't want a lot of the authors like know, ideas and and way they, the ways they phrase things uh, to kind of weed their way into my own writing. Blinkist is really helping me because I can get some of those key takeaways, some of which I'm using for research, and getting them, uh, getting it right out of the app, both just, just by reading or by listening. One of the books that I, I've read recently that's available on Blinkist, it's a fairly new title as well, is The Order of Time by Carlo Rovelli. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of anything related to time, as you can imagine, uh, books especially. There's a couple others I've picked up that are full books. And I kind of wish that those were in Blinkist, like The Order of Time is. I actually own The Order of Time. I own that book. But I haven't had a chance to really get into it. And I want to get those key takeaways. Blinkist lets me do that. Um, It doesn't mean I'm not going to read the full book later. But for the sake of just getting that knowledge now, Blinkist is helping me do that. In fact, I listened to this book because I wanted to do it while I was, you know, washing the dishes or, you know, working out all those things that I can do, uh, you know, kind of simultaneously. And then I can take a break and just write down notes, which is what I do when I'm reading anything. Uh, so Blinkist has really helped me with that kind of thing. Uh, you know, so there's lots of other books out there. If I go through my own Blinkist library right now, some of the newer ones that are out there, uh, you know, Free to Focus by Michael Hyatt is out there. Uh, there is, uh, you know, uh, gosh, uh, there's so many titles in here. Um, the Latte Factor by David Bach. Uh Jason Fried's new book, It Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work, uh, Dave Asprey's Game Changers, uh, Cal Newport's Digital Minimalism, he's been on the podcast, uh, The Free Time Formula, Jeff Sanders also has been on this podcast. Uh, there are lots of great books available for you to read and or listen to here on Blinkist, and I'm a, I'm a huge, huge fan, and I know you will be too. So I want you to check out Blinkist because it can be a real game changer when it comes to your productivity, your ability to read and learn while on the go in a very busy, busy world that where attention is being, you know, spent and taken, uh, to have that ability to just get the key pieces of knowledge from some fantastic nonfiction books is, is a, 
huge, huge deal. And Blinkist lets you do that in spades. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take advantage of this offer exclusive to Productivity as Podcast listeners. Just go to Blinkist.com slash timecrafting and you can get a free seven-day trial of Blinkist. And what I want you to do is when you do that, take advantage of that offer, is I want you to email me at podcast at productivityist.com and tell me not only how many books you're able to get through and and enjoy uh, by taking advantage of that offer, but maybe, you know, uh, which ones you read as well, because I'd like to add them to my library as well. So again, that's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash timecrafting. Get that seven-day free trial and then reach out to me and let me know what you think, podcast at productivityist.com. And that way uh, we can work and, and share our uh, our Blinkist experience together. What do you say? You sound good to you? Sounds great to me. I'd like to thank Blinkist for sponsoring this episode of the Productivityist Podcast. Now let's get back to the show. Let's put a real world example into play here. So, um, actually, this is this is a, uh, we'll use it. We'll use today as an example. All right. So today I am. Today is my deep work day, and we're recording this on a Friday, which is unusual. This is an abstraction for me. I talked about this before, where I don't normally do interviews except on Wednesdays, but due to the fact that. My computer wasn't working properly on Wednesdays, and we also had some other things that happened. Uh, we moved this to a Friday, which was not a big deal. Now, uh, I'm going to wrap up this conversation today, and then I'm going to take my son to school because my wife works, and uh, then I've got my day structure where I only have a meeting. I have a coffee meeting with a friend from Vancouver who happens to be coming over here, and the rest of the day is is, is rock solid. Now, that's my day. That's my day completely structured. I know that it, at my wife is going to pick up my son later in the day, because that's what she does on Fridays. And basically up until five o'clock, I can keep working. Now, put put your stuff, like, let's let's add some of the things that might show up, um, because we did have this discussion where you're like, okay, Mike, that's great, but what if, or how do you deal with this? So can can we, um, and maybe this, this is, we'll use this day if we can as an example, but if you can't, can you throw another example out there that where the emotional time management piece comes into play Regard, regardless of, of, of the daily theme and stuff like I've just described to you. So if your son were to um, have the nurse call home sick and oh. your wife is at work and can't, can't do anything about that, so you're going to have to manage having a sick child, how does that affect your plans for the day? Okay, so number one, uh, and, and again, the deep work day is a bit of an anomaly because I put it in place because it is the one that I can afford to give up, right? Mondays and uh-huh. Fridays because of pro-D days and, and that. But you're right. It would be completely unexpected. Uh, a pro-D day I can plan for, like a day off school. I can say, okay, well, I right. know it's Friday, so the kids are going to be home, so deep work is going to go out the window for today. Instead, I'm going to work by, you know, uh, either shallow work or whatever I'm going to do. So that that throws that out the window. But if if he does come home, like let's say he gets he, he comes home or I get a call from the nurse, uh, yeah, it throws my whole day out of whack. And not only does it, so deep work goes out the window, but then I have to kind of step back again and go, okay, well, now that he's home, can I do anything? Number one, do I like, at what point do, does he kind of say, okay, I'm going to bed or I'm going to watch TV. And that's the end of that. Uh, or like, what can I do in that place? And I've got some consistency in there, but where does, because emotion is going to show up, I'm going to be, I might be kind of choked that I lose my deep work day. I might be. But uh, I think at that point, I would have to look at, okay, what's urgent or what absolutely needs to be done and what other things that were scheduled for deep work day do I push off to the next deep work day? That's that's what would happen in this case to me. Right. And so if you already knew, um, I have a list of things I could do with a sick child in the mix. Um, I have a plan for how to uh, adapt when these situations come up, whether it's a sick child or it's a um, something else that just throws things off, or you get a, a message that somebody you really love died. Right. And now you've got emotional, you know, overload and you're supposed to be having a, a conversation with me to help people. And <laughs> suddenly you've got this, this other thing, um, and there's obviously got to be a lot of flexibility, but within that, when you're looking at it from an emotional time management standpoint, you actually already have your long-term um, goals and your short-term scheduling stuff planned out with a mindset for 
those interruptions and that emotional overload. Because a lot of times there's a lot of things you can do. You may not be able to do what you thought you wanted to do or what you had scheduled, but there's a lot of other things that still need to get done. Right. And when you already understand, hey, if my son is sick and one of my goals is spending time with him, then I may deliberately have some ideas of ways that I can spend quality time with my son while he's sick. So he's feeling loved and getting attention and feeling like dad really cares in this case. And then a different time where you might have prioritized spending time with him, you can set aside for catching up on things that you weren't able to do because he was sick. Because you've asked. Does that make sense? No, it does. And so so let's explore that a bit more because... Um, I do love the idea of I'm a big routine type person anyway, which I which I should not be as uh, 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 <laughs> odd to anyone listening. Like I have a morning routine and an evening routine. So what I'm hearing here, and and correct me if I'm wrong, is okay. Uh, in instances where uh, emotional turmoil shows up, let's just use that as a broad broad strokes. Yes. Uh, what are things that I know that I that will that I that I can do like related to long-term goals, related to, like, I, I almost need to have a, a, a checklist in place or something like that, that I can look at so that it brings me back. Like, it, it's not going to take the emotion out of the equation. It's going to allow me to kind of live, like, deal with those emotions and live through them rather than try to fight against them. Is that what I, like, is that kind of the, the, the piece that I'm hearing it to, to a degree? Yeah, that's a piece of it is when you're really clear on what's most important to you. Right. It's not task oriented. It's it's goal and and who you are as a person goals, mm-hmm. which are going to be family goals. It's going to be spiritual goals. It's going to be um, work career goals. And you're going to know ultimately these are the non-negotiables. This is what's most important to me. And then you break that down to what are the different pieces of that that I can do? What are the things that are important for that? And sometimes you have a task or productivity um, schedule in place and you have that. And then this emotional thing comes in and blows that out of the water. So you're not going to be able to be recording a podcast with a sick kid throwing up next to you. Like that's a a difficult thing. But when you're really clear on your ultimate long-term pieces and you have listed out what are the possibilities of ways that I can be reaching these goals then you can actually look at the current situation that threw you off your game and look over what you've already decided is important to you and go you know what I've said I'm going to set aside x amount of time to spend with my son one on one why do people fight this because you know cuz it it seems to me, and we talked a bit about this as well, is, and I've talked about this before, is the idea of like, we have logic and we have emotion. And I believe reason is kind of where we want to spend more time is that area of like, because reason is basically adding the human component to logic, you know, like the, the idea of not being, because if you're too logical, then it becomes very robotic, right? And that's where, and I think that's where a lot of this happens is like, son gets sick. I'm like, yeah, but logic dictates that I need to do all of these tasks today, because they're very objective. And they're very, and they're going to give me um, the immediate gratification that I need versus emotion, which is what's really thrown things off. And, and, and the emotional piece is what makes us human. Like it, it, logic rarely, rarely plays in when emotions show up because you do things basically based on how you feel or the situation, what what the situation has has done that makes you feel a certain way. When when you know when when uh, when my kid gets sick or when anyone's kids get sick and it throws their whole game off. And for me, I obviously I have a luxury. I work for myself. I can up and leave. Um, one of the jobs I did have before, uh, before I, I started doing this is, <laughs> and it was actually quite funny, is uh, when when the boss found out that I, I had kids, was like, well, you know, like, you know, if your kid's sick, like, that's fine. Your wife can go get the kid, right? Because you've got this stuff to do here. My, my, my immediate thought was, well, this is not going to be a job that's going to last me an extraordinary period of time because no. <laughs> clearly that's good. So, so how, how come when, when, or, or, or what can we do? Maybe there's a combination question here. When, when this happens, yes, you've got this framework in place, you've got this, this, this idea of your long-term goals in place, but yet there's part of you that's going, yeah, but logically this stuff needs to be done. Like how, like how do you fight back against that? Because it's almost like two motion, two emotions playing against each other. The emotion of, of, oh, you know, I, I'm, my, my whole day has been turned upside down 
But if I don't get these things done, then I'm going to be further stressed, which is going to play with my emotions as well. Right. So that's where knowing that what I'm choosing instead has a uh, value of its own. So if in my top goals, it's spending time with my children, and then in, in an example of mine, I had an afternoon that was supposed to be getting a whole ton of um, stuff done, task-oriented, and I ended up being sick. Yeah. And there was, there was no way for me to accomplish that. I could barely stay upright at all. I couldn't process or think properly. I was, I was not doing well. And, but because I'm so in the habit of processing this way, I went, okay, so I can't do what I was going to do at all, but what can I do? What, what of my goals matters? And I, my three kids came home from school and I was at home sick and I went, you know, it's on my list of goals to spend quality time with my kids. And what I had wasn't contagious. So I was like, Hey, why don't y'all come into my room where I'm still lying on my bed and let's watch that movie we've been talking about watching together that I haven't had time to watch. And we hung out on my bed and watched this movie and they were talking and excited and, and had this great time. And I was not capable of doing anything more than that. But that space, instead of being um, space that was not furthering a part of my goals, became a space that was furthering part of my goals. And then that other time where I would have watched that movie with them when I scheduled it in, then that was freed up for me to do catch up on tasks and do other things. And a lot of it is when you understand how you want to incorporate all these things in your overall plan, then you can start figuring out what the trade-offs are. So this is the time I can't do this, but can I trade it for this time over here where I can do it? And you're not um, sacrificing it, which means I'm not emotionally beating myself up. I'm not getting this stuff done. I'm going, hey, I'm spending quality time with my kids now. And then when I would have set aside time to do that later, I will actually set that time aside to get these tasks done. Or or you may end up, like this happened yesterday, you may end up... uh finding another thing that you can do with the kids and you've you've managed to either a offload some of that stuff that you thought were things that you had to do or it took you less time but because you've already done that one you've 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 set aside that time not set aside but that time kind of happened where you ended up doing that that thing watching the movie with your kids whatever that is you now have you, you freed that up so there's there's a there's less baggage associated with it right like there's less of that you can check that off like like most people spend time checking off this list of things that are either shallow or vapid or just these these quick quick wins this was a big one but it was disguised in 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 it was like a she, a, a wolf in sheep's clothing in a lot of ways right right and that's the the whole point of how you look at it it's understanding that I have long-term, meaningful, kind of what I call eternal goals, like my relationship with my children. That's not a task. Mm -hmm. That's that's a long-term goal. When I die, I want them to have felt loved and appreciated and connected and valued and all these things. And so when I spent that time with them, instead of feeling like, oh, I didn't get all these tasks done... I went, oh, wow, I'm taking a really good stride in the direction of a goal that's even more important to me. Right. And and I mean, again, no one at the end of your life is going to go, well, you know what Mike Vardy did? He got everything on that to-do list done every single day. He checked off all those boxes. Or, you know, he adhered to his daily theme every day, but then the kids are like, yeah, but... Uh, at what you were cost. never there for us. Right. Yeah. Where, whereas, and, and this is where I think, and we talk about this, where it's layered. It's like, because he, you know, he, he leveraged those daily themes or whatever it is to allow him to, you know, be there for us and, and, and reach those goals that, that, which they probably didn't even recognize or didn't even notice because they're personal, right? They, it just, right. They, they're the byproduct of it. Um, I think that's because that's ultimately what we want to do. Like if we're sitting here spending all of our time just checking off boxes, um, are we really like living? <laughs> you know what I mean, are well, we really quality of life? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. A quality of life thing. So, so let, as we get close to wrapping up here, I want to, uh, let, some people are going to go, okay, yeah, but great. This is all well and good. <laughs> uh, I have, I have my to-do list though. 
uh, Paul is talking about this, this knowing what my goals are. When did you sit down or how, what, what do you recommend people do when they, cause they need to come up with this list. They need to take time and sit with this so they can figure it out. So that way it, like you said, it becomes habitual. It becomes like something that, that gets triggered when your kid is sick, when you're sick, when, uh, you know, a loved person is in the hospital or dies or some other emotional thing comes up. How, what do you recommend people do to put this kind of list together and make it so that it, it does stick when these situations arise? Well, and that making that list and, and having this, this process and thinking is only a small piece of the overall emotional time management um, concept because there's so many different uh, parts to it. But it is looking at, um, and again, most time management models have some type of goal setting mechanism, some type of um, structure out and plan where you're going and why and how much time you need to allocate and all of that stuff. I'm just saying that when you're building that out, build it out, including the things that are relationally most important, that are spiritually most important, that are um, emotionally most important, and list out the different ways that you can accomplish that and keep that somewhere where as you're working through your schedule, you're going, okay, where and how am I including these components? And when you're doing that, and then you have something throw it out of the water where you can't do structured tasks or you can't follow through to accomplish a specific thing, then what you do is you actually look at the other areas that should already be on your schedule that are these other types of things. And you can look over those and go, are any of those things that I can incorporate into this emotional time frame? into this thing that threw my whole schedule out of whack. How can I incorporate what's important to me and maximize this time and space? Because then at the end of the week, whether or not all of your traditional tasks got checked off, you may actually have had a bonus of being able to add things in that you may not have made the time for or prioritized until the situation threw you into a place where you went, oh, I could add this instead. And that way you end up, in my case, many times I'm looking at my week afterwards going, I made more progress towards my big goals, mm -hmm. my most meaningful goals this week because of the things that messed up my week than I would have if my week had all stayed perfectly structured. Does that make sense? No, it totally does. And actually, uh, uh, on a bit of a personal note, my wife and I had a discussion uh, not too long ago where she said, you know, I really just want to get out of town once a week. Like, you know, like whether we go far away, but like, let's get outside and do some stuff. And the funny thing is, is it's not the first time she said that to me, but uh, I was in a place where I paid, paid further attention to it. And then and this is where I think where, where you'd probably appreciate the fact that, okay, Mike, you have the wife situation. I made a right. point of saying, <laughs> all right, how do I, how do I make sure that in all of this other stuff that's going on in our lives, that on uh, a weekly basis, I go and say to her, where do you want to go this weekend? Or what, what, what do you want to do this weekend that involves the getting out of town situation that you, you talked with me about? you know, in whatever day it was. So, and this is probably, and maybe this is a male thing. I don't think it's exclusively male because I know some women that have to do this as well. I literally added it to my task management system saying, you know, recurring every Friday, ask Ann what she wants to do in terms of getting out of town this weekend. Now, now, there are people that will, and, and I, and I want to ask you about this too, because I think this is, this is an important piece too, because we do tend to get in our own way, either by not doing this, by not adding it to a list that shows how important it is, because it would be great at the end of my life to go like, you know what, starting when Mike turned 44, all of a sudden we started going out, out of town every weekend and doing hiking and stuff. And Mike grew up, I grew up in an environment where going outdoors and hiking, I mean, I grew up in Southern Ontario near Toronto. When you went out, going outside meant you went outside to go out to your yard or to the cottage. Basically you spent most of your time inside either watching right. TV or going to the mall with friends or whatever. Like that was the environment that I grew up in with, with the way I was raised. So I'm actually trying to change something that's been ingrained in me over my entire life. And the only way I could do that is by putting it in front of me every single week. And there are some people that would say, well, Mike, why, like, shouldn't you just do that? Like, shouldn't you just, shouldn't you just know to do that? And my answer to that is no, because I wasn't, that, that's not something that is at top of mind yet. 
it might become that way, but I have to put it in a place that I see it consistently so that it becomes habitual. It becomes part of the fabric of who I want to be and who I want to become. It, th- I think that plays into some of what you're talking about here, right? Yeah, it really does because then you're more intentional about it. And even if you have it thrown off where the weather is wrong and you can't do the thing you were going to do, then you can say, Hey, what I'm going to do is on this Saturday, I'm going to do Monday's work on Saturday. Yep. And we're going to go do that thing on Monday instead. Right. And I understand with your wife's job and whatever, that might not be as easily doable, but there's a lot of times where we can do that flexibility when we go. What's really important to me is to stay consistent on this thing. And I have intervening issues. So how can I still be consistent with it? But you also have the emotional component of a lot of people, if they don't or can't do that thing they want to or do it the way they want to or whatever, then they just give up. Right, right. It's just an instant, oh, well, that didn't work. That's over. And I'm going, no, you can even uh, watch a movie that's about a place far away that you're going to do together as you're going out. Yep. Um, because there's no other way to do it due to weather or due to whatever the issue is. But when you are thinking through instead of the, the what's messed things up and what I can't do, but from a perspective of what's still in line with my heart, with my plans, with my goals, how can I be creative about still doing that? You can still look back on it and go, wow, it was even cooler that we came up with this totally unusual creative thing to do because we got thrown off our game instead of just saying, oh, well, that didn't work. I guess we'll try next time and give up on it. And that's a a big piece of kind of having a strategy that involves how things affect you and how emotions come in and how things work is already kind of having a pre-planned process for what you do with that. So you're not just stuck and giving up. Well, and, and this, yeah, and this illustrates the layers that you're talking about, because, for example, if we were supposed to do that on a Saturday and the weather's, you know, not not cooperating, I could say, well, let me check the weather forecast. Oh, Monday's looking good. OK, well, what if we did that Monday? She says, great. I take my optimization tasks for Monday that I would normally do because that's the theme of that day. I put them right. on the Saturday. I move my family tasks to Monday. And right. no, and, and all that's all I have to do there. And most people are like, yeah, but don't know. My lists are easily identifiable by tagging inside of my, I just have to look and see right. what tasks are, are this. What, so when you talk about layers, same thing with, you know, if you're putting a list together and using a system like getting things done or whatever, you just say, okay, I'm going to, the context is, you, you know, uh, uh, long-term goals. Great. Where is that list? Oh, that list is here. This is where I find it. So you're not talking about, like, a, like you said, just, you're not talking about a replacement. You're talking no. about layering that component on top of it because like, like I was saying, if I didn't write that down and, and you mentioned this too, if I didn't write that down, I, I can't trust that the speed of life is going to slow down enough for me to go, oh, right. I'm supposed to do this on this day consistently. Secondly, um, to, to your point of, you know, throwing, you know, if it doesn't work that one time, you're not only likely to not do it that time, but you're discouraged and you may just throw it out altogether. Right. You may just say, well, this right. doesn't work at all. So therefore, what, what's the point? Right. Because that's because it's just any any time you want to face your emotions or face something reasonable, uh, you're there's a part of your brain that gets in the way goes, really, do I have to like this is just going to seem like it's going to be hard. Can I just do the thing that's either sequentially in front of me or that's that I can get that quick dopamine hit from as opposed to the long term goal of, you know, you know, going out for that walk and building that new muscle because habits. I mean, when you first start building new habit, it sucks because you're not uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. But the best things happen when we get uncomfortable and facing those emotions and, and leveraging them, I think, is like like and I say leveraging is is the term that I'll use. There are other ways to embracing them or whatever and and making them work for you. I think that's that's the key. And and like we talked, I think that's the missing piece. So if 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 what's one what's something that someone could do right now uh, out of the gate that will help them kind of uh, add this piece to the puzzle that that they've been missing? One thing that I think is um, we haven't talked about yet, but is actually a really simple, easy thing that people can do is looking at when they do what they do from an emotional standpoint. And you talk about your evening routine and your morning routine and, and the things that are to set you up for a day to close down your day. 
um, there's a lot of places where we, without thinking, schedule things based on other people's expectations or tasks or issues, not realizing how that affects us emotionally and how that affects our ability to continue doing things. Like, for instance, if you got talking about the weekend that was messed up, if you actually got your Monday tasks done on Saturday, you're going to go into this thrown off your schedule, whatever thing with going out on Monday with your wife, you are both going to be going into that with a lot of excitement. Her, because you changed everything around for her and something that was important to her. And you, because you're ahead of the game. And so you're actually going to maximize that outing way above a normal outing because as you've prioritized and put value on the people and and the follow through on things, yeah, it's uncomfortable to figure it out and to adjust things and, and Saturday's a weird day to do Monday's work and whatever. But when you realize that now you have just kind of gotten an extra shot of uh, dopamine, <laughs> adrenaline, whatever, there's excitement tied to having beat a roadblock, having um, adjusted that. So your emotions change. And when you look at things and go, oh, it's not just about getting that thing done and when it is, but it is looking at it with what, how's that going to emotionally impact things? So if that thing you do in the morning, first thing, looking at social media or something sets you off your game, then don't do that then. You know, like if you want to watch a horror movie, but then you'll have nightmares all night, then don't watch it at night right before bed. Watch it in the morning on a Saturday and have the day to decompress over it so you don't have to have nightmares that night. It's it's sometimes seemingly foolish things, but when you actually look at it with what's going to be the emotional impact of this, don't, don't schedule the meeting that you know is going to be super hard and ridiculous um, at the beginning of a day where you have a ton of really difficult strategic things to accomplish. Try to schedule it at the end of that day so that you don't have that the rest of the tasks messed up and ruined by the emotions you're processing after that meeting. Okay, we're going to take a break from the proceedings now to talk about our sponsor for this episode, Text Expander. You can really unlock your productivity with Text Expander by easily inserting text snippets in any application from a library of content created by you and your team. We've done that with my team here at Productivityist, and I, I have to say that one of the things that we've done recently is we have a, I have a new person on board that's helping me with, specifically with emails. And now that that library is there of easy responses with some, you know, generic stuff that we put in there, but also some customizable fill-ins, which Text Expander easily allows you to do, we are saving a ton of time on dealing with those emails. Uh, I would say we're saving at least, you know, 50%, uh, if not more, of our or manpower that was being used in those email responses just cut in half uh, by by text expander. But uh, it's not just for use in emails. There's so many other things that you can use. Text Expander for Teams is what I've been using with my team, but I also use it for things like when I'm doing slides and, and my talk. I just did a talk in, uh, in, in, in Pittsburgh not too long ago, and when I want to share different elements of a talk, or if I know that I'm going to do a specific type of talk, I have a text expander snippet for that talk. I have a specific uh, slide URL that I've used with other talks. I can just say, hey, here are the slides, and I just type in the text expander snippet, and boom, it shows up. And then also, you know, contact details, all that stuff shows up. You you can do a lot of customization with things like presentations. You could you could do it with, with things like web pages. Um, you can do it for things like show notes for this podcast. You know, there are a lot of things that if you look at the show notes for this podcast, you will see and you're like, hey, that 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 looks like it's the same thing I see every single week. It's not a copy and paste. That is a snippet through Text Expander. And Text Expander is available for Mac OS, Windows, iPhone, and iPad, and Chrome. There are a myriad of uses that you can uh, use Text Expander for, and I challenge you to find them and leverage what Text Expander can offer for you. It really can unlock your productivity. I'm a big Text Expander fan, and I want you to be able to use Text Expander as well. In fact, if you go to TextExpander.com/podcast, you'll get 20% off of your first year with Text Expander. Remember, you can use it on Windows, Mac OS, iPhone, iPad. It's usable anywhere, and with Teams, you're going to be able to share those snippets across the board and make your work faster and make your whole team more productive with Text Expander. Remember, Text Expander works everywhere you type. 
improving your productivity and accuracy no matter what apps you use. Give Text Expander a try today. Again, 20% off your first year. Just go to textexpander.com slash podcast. Make that happen today. I'd like to thank Text Expander for sponsoring this episode of the Productivity is Podcast. Now let's get back to the show. I mean, again, this is going to be a, a process, right? Because you're not always going to get to do exactly what you want to do at the time that you want to do it. But Again, and this is the other piece that people have problems with when they're adopting a new process or a new or a new framework, is they try to do it all at once. And I think that, no, that, it's I little think that, things. Yeah, you can't. You if you, especially for an emo, from an emotional standpoint, because I think it, the, to do this all at once would fly in the face of exactly why you're doing it. It would it would be emotionally overwhelming, and it would. So I think we like like you know I mean again and 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 again this is why I think it layers so nicely on top of like time crafting these other is because you could say, okay, you know what? I'm going to add this piece now. So I'm going to add the, let me look at maybe not how do I schedule every day of the week based on, but I'm going to look at, you know what? I want to go into Mondays feeling bad. Like Mondays are, are a day that I, I struggle with. So how do I, What what's best for me to tackle when on Mondays? Or you can say, okay, I know I only have control over certain things. So let me look at those first because my boss certainly is going to want to have a meeting on Monday morning, which is not a good time for me to have a meeting. But what can I do after that that will help me recover from, from that experience, right? So I think it's, it's – Right, it's, yeah. or, before, or before or before on Monday mornings. What can I do in a motivational um, podcast to listen to on my way to work that morning that will help get me into the frame of mind that I can handle that meeting? Like what, what can I do ahead of time or afterwards to decompress or to pre boost what I need to for a specific situation or process something in advance Mm -hmm. so that I know that's gonna be a really hard emotional thing. What of those emotions can I work through beforehand so that when I'm going into it, I'm not already in emotional overload about it. Like I have worked through my side of, of whatever that is. And rather than for me, rather than approaching all of it, I approach one little piece at a time. Mm-hmm. And so what's the next thing that, you know, the way you're doing it currently is not getting you the results you want, the right. thing that's throwing you off your game, the thing that just never seems to work right. And look at it. Is it because it has an emotional impact that's a disconnect from the other things you're doing? Or how do you handle an emergency with your kid that, you know, happens on a regular basis? What could you do to handle that differently? And, and kind of I go from the pain points. So what's the thing that's the most frustrating to me right now? And that's the one thing I'll look at. Right. So here's, here's an example that I come across a lot. And I know we're, we're going a little bit over, but this is this, I think this is an important piece is people have meetings. Meetings are, 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 are you know, they're going to happen. I have so many people when I talk to them, they're like, well, I said, so when you go to the meeting, when do you prepare? Oh, just before the meeting. I'm like, why wouldn't you? And, and they hate meetings and they're like, oh, this meeting is so stressful. It, and I said, look, if you're going to be doing a presentation, would you prepare right before the presentation or would you prepare leading up to the presentation? And they said, well, yeah, you know, I'd like to be able to pr- prepare leading up. And I'm like, well, you get that choice. So instill some of these things in place where, because again, there's like, there's an emotional response to going to a meeting or being in a meeting, especially like a status meeting where you're only chiming in briefly and then you have to sit through another 14 status updates. Instead, like go in prepared. So if in an example of, of time crafting, I would say, okay, look, if your meetings are on Mondays, then have a time in the morning or, or better still have times on Friday where it's like triage day or preparation day or planning day. And part of that planning is planning for the next week's meetings or planning for, because then you, then you have, you go in, you're being proactive. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of things happen when, uh, when we're reactive, I think that's when emotions can really kick in. And to your point about like having that list of goals and having that close at hand can help, you know, kind of alleviate some of that react, like what emotional response to having to be reactive. But I think the other piece, and you you just talked about it, is being as proactive as you can when you can, so that when these things show up, there you, you you're not as thrown off your game as much or, and and again you have this other tool in place this other piece where it's like okay i'm slightly thrown off my game because either a i didn't get to prepare for the meeting because something happened or the meeting happened earlier or something new happened that i needed to add to the meeting later but because i've prepared i can i can take care of this so i think that there's there's something that to that too well and there's the understanding that when you do get thrown off like that and it 
something hit the fan in the meeting that you weren't prepared for, giving yourself the grace to actually build in recovery time, Mm. um, processing time, make other adjustments as you need to. And a lot of times it's, it's really about awareness and not just looking at the tasks or the concrete facts or situations, but actually looking at the emotional impact, the relational impact, the the big picture piece of it and being aware of that. Because a lot of times I've learned by the things that went wrong. Okay, that did not work when my child got sick and whatever, it threw everything off and I, I had no idea what to do with it, how I was going to handle it. I, I had no plan for this. I didn't know what And so then I look at it, well, while I'm not in that chaos right now, how do I set myself up so the next time something similar happens, I do know ways I can navigate it. Right. And so each each negative or difficult or um, situation that I got caught off guard and I was not able to do proactively and well the way I would like to, then I use that as my launching point to actually put something in place that will help me in a future similar situation. Right. Does and that make sense? No, totally. And, and I think the great thing is by looking at that, because it was such an emotional response, you're not going to be completely logical about it because logic kind of gets thrown. You're going to be more reasoned yes. about it. You're going to there's, there's, you're going to have a reasonable approach because emotion can still play a factor. You know you're going to be affected. So you can't go right to the other end of the spectrum and be super logical about it because you have to acknowledge that there's some emotion there. And that's why I think, so the, to, to your point, it's what what reasonable things can I do? to, you know, make sure that when this, if this happens again, or when, if slash when, this is a reasonable response. This is a reasonable thing for me to take, to do, so that I can, you know, uh, alleviate some of what, of, of the, the the fallout of it, right? I think that that's the thing. Uh, do you journal, by the way? Like, I think that we'll, cu- cu- we'll end on this point, because I think all of this comes back, like, I journal every single day. Uh, in the evening before I wrap up my day, it's like the last thing that I do, uh, because it it kind of closes off my day. It's like the bookend to my day. Like, okay, you know, I know that when I start the end of the day, it's kind of like, I look at every day as kind of like a lifetime. So the day ended, here's what happened. And then the next day, it's kind of like a fresh start, a clean slate. But I, but I'm looking, I can look back at what happened yesterday and go, oh, right. This is this is how this day ended. This is how I want this day to to begin. I can look back at at journal entries for years and see how because um, there's a lot of emotion tied into that. It's not so much a here are the 40, 43 tasks I complete. Like I don't do that. It's more of like hey, like yesterday's entry would have been. You know what? I took my daughter to this comedy show. She laughed a lot. It reminded me of when I did improv. Uh, it was really well done. And I talked about this comedy troupe who's ending their career. And oh man, like they're going out on top. I've noticed a lot lately how a lot of people are going out when they're in their prime. Like all that stuff came out into a journal entry and it was driven by emotion and and reason, not so much by like quantitative, the quantitative components of my day, but the qualitative. Do you journal? And 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 if not, like how do you, because I think that would help you stay connected to these long-term goals too, right? Right. And so I don't do traditional journaling. Um, I just, I don't. Okay. I do verbal verbal processing is is my best way to handle things um, on an ongoing basis because that kind of gets my brain tying it together. So I have verbal processing worked into my schedule and my plan. But I write poetry to decompress from emotional um, overload or trauma or whatever, which can also be stuff that gets published. So it's a it's a benefit, but it's a, a way to, to release emotion that way. But I do a type of journal. Um, actually published a journal called Bloom Forward, like the flower. Mm-hmm. Um, Bloom Forward. And in it, it has uh, it is faith-based, um, by the way. But it has uh, simple questions you answer in the morning that help you choose a positive direction for your day on an emotional and spiritual standpoint. And then at the end of the day, it has really short little questions in a, in a beautiful um, layout that give you the opportunity to kind of decompress. So what beauty did I see today? What did I do well today? What worries do I want to give to God today? That kind of thing. So that I am processing emotionally and setting myself up for emotionally releasing the things I need to at night and in the morning, emotionally setting myself up for the good I want. What three things, positive things do I want to say about myself today? 
what self-care activity am I going to do today? Those kinds of things where I am choosing the positive things that will have a positive emotional impact on my day. And they're not about tasks. They're about who I am as a person. Right. Right. And doing that both ends of the day gives me the opportunity to throughout the day, be aware in thinking about those things that I've chosen from a positive standpoint that help um, give me that balance to the negative things that come at me during the day. And then, like I said, when it comes to the emotional overload or the the breakdown of things, for me and my style of relating, um, journaling isn't a positive for me. And I know it is for a lot of people. I'm a writer, so I do a lot of writing, <laughs> just don't <laughs> journal in the traditional sense. Sure. But answering these questions morning and evening and it having a, a purpose for me and having it where I can sit down and unload emotions through poetry and have the conversations with people where I'm processing emotionally. And I I'd like to do that combined with walking because then it's bilateral processing and my body and my mind are sorting through and working through things uh, cohesively, which helps bring clarity to stuff really fast. But a ton of different strategies like that that are incorporated in what I call emotional time management, because I am working not only with these abstract ideas, but I'm working with how my personality, my my system, my way of doing things, what works for me personally in relation to working through the emotions and the tasks and the the jobs I have to do. And because I'm a single mom of three boys and because I run a nonprofit and I'm working on a whole bunch of really big projects simultaneously, um, my ability to work through and utilize my emotions to to work um, to motivate me to get what I need to done, to be able to flex and adjust and um, keep all of these different things going while meeting my long-term, um, what I call eternal goals about who I am as a person and how I interact with the world and with my family. Um, all of these different pieces work together to help me accomplish um, way more than I ever should be if you just look at the circumstances. Paul, this has been a great conversation. I know we can chat more. We spent like an hour chatting about it in Nashville, and we just kind of picked up where we left off. Uh, I look forward to chatting with you again in the future, but where can people learn more about you and your work so they can keep the conversation going for themselves? Well, they can um, look for emotional time management. There'll be a book coming out soon that is by that title. And for my nonprofit, that gives people a, a lot of connecting points to what we're dealing with if they have difficulty in their life that is um, more damaging than just the average uh, emotional situations. Um, bloominthedark.org is, is an amazing uh, resource for people to go to if they're having any kind of um, bigger struggle, uh, major loss, uh, hardship, abuse, brokenness of any kind. And if they go there, they'll find me in a whole lot of different areas. And if um, they keep an eye out for uh, Emotional Time Management book, when that comes out soon, it's going to have an amazing um, list of, of strategies and action steps and understanding and examples and stories and, and a really fun book to help you kind of start seeing your life and the possibilities in your life differently when it comes to emotions and productivity. Paula, thanks for joining me today on the Productivious Podcast. Thanks so much, Mike. Appreciate it. And that's how the conversation went down. I really want to thank Paula for joining me on the show today. To get uh, access to all the things we talked about, you know, the key takeaways, the the links, all that fun stuff, go to productivityist.com slash podcast 257, and you can uh, check out all the links and all that stuff. You can even uh, listen to the episode right on the website if you want, or share the episode uh, to uh, others via social media. I'd love it if you pass on this episode. I think it's a really important one. And if you aren't subscribed to the podcast, yeah, what's going on? You know, uh, you should do that. We've got 257 episodes, uh, you know, that have been published so far that you have easy access to as a subscriber, and you won't miss a single episode going forward. So 
do this in whatever podcast uh, app you're listening uh, to this show in, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Castro, Overcast, uh, Stitcher, wherever, and become a subscriber to the Productivityist podcast today. I'd like to thank our sponsors for this episode, Blinkist. Uh, again, I can't say enough great things about Blinkist. Uh, I want you to go to Blinkist.com slash timecraft and to take advantage of that special offer, that seven-day free trial today. So again, BLI. NKIST.com slash timecraft and get that seven day free trial and start learning and absorbing more knowledge today through Blinkist. I'd also like to thank Text Expander for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. And again, if you want to check out what Text Expander has to offer, the 20% off of your first year, for example, this indispensable productivity tool saves me tons of time. It'll save you time as well. Go to textexpander.com slash podcast. And when you do that, you'll be able to check out what they have to offer for 20% off your first year. So uh, again, thanks to both Blinkist and Text Expander for sponsoring this episode of the show. I'd also like to thank John Polster for producing this episode. I'd like to thank my team for helping to put together the show notes and all the other accoutrements that go with putting a podcast together. And I'd like to thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm Mike Barty, the host of the Productivity is Podcast, reminding you to stop guessing and start going.